welcome to Nintendo Dads episode 267, recorded on the 13th of February 2020. And on tonight's episode is, well, some news that's all over the place. you got Activision Bleeders is planning some reimagined and remastered titles for the Switch. What could they be? And also Atlas doing some surveys and all this stuff and much, much more. Jesse, get ready because here we go. Greetings and welcome to episode 267 of the Nintendo Dance Podcast, recorded on in, in the United States. It is the day before Valentine's Day. In the UK, it already is. Uh, this is February 13th, and uh, I we, we are Marty-less and Justin-less, so I am your your host tonight, Jesse Waldack, and we will... To start us off with our our, our initial voice over Gary, who who uh, gave the camera a nice big pucker as we started the stream. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day here in England, and guess what? I did not sleep through my alarms for once. Can you believe that? Yay! So I'm back, baby. Piao, 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 piao. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> nice. Then we have our the community manager Tim off. Hello, I'm Hello. on again He's with on. my phone because my computer doesn't want to work. Uh. <laughs> and then we we have we have our one of our Patreon producers, David Erzberger, joining us this week. How are you doing? Uh, I am doing good. Good evening. Good morning. Hello, everybody. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. And you're also coming calling in from the UK, so it is also 4:30 in the morning for you. Yes, it's also already Valentine's Day, and the panic is setting in even at this early hour. That's correct. <laughs> you know, you know we, we need to stop having Dave on this show because he actually wakes up for his alarms. He's making me look bad. <laughs> yes, once a year when I join, I'm, I'm faultless. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, before we start uh, start with the news, I wanted to do a quick uh, talk about that I had got sent some Joy-Con to Nintendo of America for repair. I had a total of three sets you know one is one from my my a set from myself a set from my son and a set from my daughter and they, they quoted me three to four weeks and including the shipping time both ways and the weekend i it was a nine-day turnaround so like wow. i sent them back on the fourth and got them back today and of course that means i also come with bubble poppy envelopes that i get to play with <laughs> So I just wanted to do that on, on air. That's, that's why I wanted to talk about that. So <laughs> making me hungry. I, I, I sent some um, I sent some Joy Cons off to repair for Nintendo UK, and famously we're not doing the whole free to repair Joy Con things. Uh, but they actually did mine for free. But I sent like four pairs across. Um, and the funny thing is, is the one Joy Con wasn't the drift where the, the others were it was actually that the side rail was broken it didn't um, light up or the SN, SL and SR buttons didn't work and when they sent them back they sent the list of repairs for each Joy-Con and surely enough that one hadn't been fixed but they did say they'd fixed the joy- drift problem on it which it didn't have so I think they're <laughs> obsessing about it themselves they're like everything's got drift <laughs> right and the funny part is uh, when uh, when they were s- I had one order, repair order number, sent them a box of six Joy-Con. They, when they opened the box on Monday, 
they created six work orders, one for each Joy-Con. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and then for me too. And then when they were they shipped it, they gave me six different UPS tracking numbers, one for each Joy-Con. And then Marty said, "No, no, they still put it all in one box." And and that's what I did get one box with the six Joy-Con in it. I just thought that was funny the way they handled that. Yeah, I did. That didn't happen for me. They sent them in different boxes. Oh, they, you they, did get different they, boxes. Yeah, they they sent them in like Nintendo branded boxes. And some came in like bubble wrap like yours, and others came in like these. I'm surprised they use Nintendo brand because you know that's just asking for ports pirates. Yeah, well, they put them in like a shipping bag over the top of the box. Okay, yeah, yeah. My the the my box it was just completely generic. It was white with brown tape. You know, it could have been mm. anything. Anyway, so that was enough of that. Let's uh, let's uh, start with the news. And our news is brought to us by our lovely folks at patreon.com slash Nintendo Dads. And uh, Tim has our new patrons of the week. Yes. I'd like to say hello to Christopher Logel and Andre D- Dennis. And I apologize for maybe messing up your names. <laughs> uh, because that never happens around here. Yeah, right, right Marty? for... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot for joining us this past since last show, and and thanks for all to all of our patrons for being our our patrons and supporting us on the show. Helps us keep the lights on. Of course, I have mine off. I just have these you know glowy lights behind me. That's about it. But technically, <laughs> my 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 lights are off too, and I'm just being held by the by the lamps just because that gets that I show up on the camera better that way. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay so, uh, he's got the nice fancy light in front of him. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. he's got the dancing lights. I've tried having other lighting in front of me that face on me, but it blinds me, and I don't like using it. Like yeah. this, I have this one that has a, it's magnet, uh, magnets onto my network rack up here, but it doesn't angle right. So anyway, so uh, what what type of news do we have this week? So we had our news uh, posted by Marty for us in the Patreon, um, and he listed quite a few news items. But we had our news items voted on by our Patreons, who uh, voted on the first item being the top news item they wanted to hear about was the Activision Blizzard is planning reimagine and reima- uh, remaster titles for this year. What could they be? And that was voted at 24%. So there's all kinds of speculation across the internet on what that could be. Uh, is got there one any, site like any talk about actually on the Switch or is this just PC Xbox stuff? Do we know or it what? Looks, do, do we know nothing? Everything's speculation at this point. It's just speculation. It could be across any of the consoles and or even PC. It'll be a Diablo mobile game. Oh wait, they already tried that. <laughs> I think it could be uh, – uh, I know if I remember correctly, I thought I heard they were working on a new Tony Hawk game. So it's possible that that could be one if not if not bringing over some of the older ones, which I think would be cool if they did like a trilogy of the better ones. But if they brought those over or if they did do a new one using some of the old school formulas. Just as long as it's not the one that has the stupid accessory that you had to actually stand on and fall <laughs> off of. Yeah, the guitar, 
the Guitar Hero thing when uh, everybody was trying to do accessories. Right. Between that and the DJ th- t- turntable for one. and <laughs> Well, the DJ I one actually, those accessories. The DJ one actually made sense <laughs> because that's an arcade franchise. And the yes. controller looked very similar to what the arcade look, controller looked like. You know, the arcade thing had more buttons, but that that still made I could had no idea how to play the thing, but it's, the controller still makes sense if you know how to play the arcade. Yeah, and I know that's <laughs> really popular in Japan too. Those type of games as well. David, yeah. do you have any idea about an Activision game you think it would be cool to come over, or one that they could be remastering? Uh, well, I was looking over uh, the Blizzard stuff. Is it more focused on the Blizzard side of things, or is it more broad? Do you think than that? I think it's it said between Activision and Blizzard, so it's definitely yeah. broad. Yeah, so I was acquainting myself with the the Blizzard roster of back or the back catalog that they have, and I and nothing really screams out at me. But I'm you know I, Starcraft, if they were going to reimagine that, I think that could be pretty interesting. We don't have a lot of real time strategy stuff, and being a Pikmin uh, fan myself, uh, I'd be interested to see what they would do with that if they'd bring that across. I've never played it before actually, but. A lot of those real-time strategy games, if you rethink them for 2020, I, I think there's something to do with those because they could do with a complete reset. So I'd be interested to see what they might do with that. Uh, I, that would be the one I would be most interested in because, you know, Diablo coming across, World of Warcraft being reimagined, that's not going so well, right? So I, I think there's also not too much to pick from they haven't already tried to dabble with, I think. Yeah, I was also thinking StarCraft, but with the right, Tim's already trying to throw money at the camera. <laughs> yeah, I, I was also thinking StarCraft, but you know, the recent release of the remaster of Warcraft Three pretty much did everything wrong. So yeah, right. Yeah. So it's not, the one. It's the one jewel they have that they can try. They haven't messed up recently, I think. And in fact, they 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 patched the original game to use a similar engine as the new game, so even the the old game doesn't work right anymore. So it's just nuts. There's a shortage of RTSs, I think, on yes. on Switch. That would be really cool if they could bring some that StarCraft or yeah. even two over. Yeah, I think good. you can get Civilization Six on the Switch, right? I think that's available. I mean, it's not a it's not an RTS; it's turn based, but that's the closest thing they have. I, I'd like to see an RTS on there. I think the the biggest issue with oh. yeah, there it is. The biggest <laughs> nice. issue with our, with uh, re- real time strategy on console is they play better with mouse and keyboard. And while definitely, yes, that's true. definitely yeah. the Xbox can support it, and I know the Switch yeah. can support a keyboard, probably not a mouse, but that, and there was previous games. I think StarCraft was on N64, and other other com- companies have tried it, uh-huh. and they've never been all that great. So if someone There's can figure that. it out, then they're going to get some sales. Yeah, I, I think so. a good, I think a good example of a real time strategy that actually works on the Switch is Bad North. Um, although it is done uh, as a bit of a smaller one because you can only you only have a maximum of four squads, but they figured it out pretty well because the game slows down as you're selecting units, so it gives you time to sort of plan where to go. Um, so there there is ways around it, but as a whole, yeah, they 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 suck with the controller, right? But I mean, this this is this is kind of it's a tough one to call because act if you look at Activision's list of games, it's huge and a lot of it is very retro. Yeah. So, um, you know, I th- they did the Quake yeah. series, right, and and stuff like that. So it's 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 a massive. Uh, I think they may have the rights to the Quake series. I don't think they originally did them. I think that was Ed with yeah. it. Yeah. But but they have the rights to it now. 
and there's a lot of like Atari games in there and stuff. So it's yeah, you yeah. know, it's Activision started off as a spin as a as from people who broke off from Atari because they they wanted because at the time Atari wasn't crediting the developers in fear of other people buying you know eating them up, so they kept it a secret. But then they wanted no, we want to be recognized, so they started their own company and. Atari tried to sue them and lost, and they said, no, they can do this. And therefore, the third-party market was born. Yeah, so, like, it, it's an interesting one, right? Because we could all speculate that it's going to be, you know, the newest this and that, but we might end up with just some collections of very, very old games instead. Yeah, I see I see buried in their catalog is Tony Hawk series, so I wonder if there's a, that's one that people are always crying out for despite all the misadventures in recent Tony Hawk series, but that could that could be a temptation too strong to resist. I could well imagine that. Yeah. I want to see that's what I'm hoping as a trilogy. That would be cool. I want to see Pitfall 2 ported to the Switch. I mean, the the one game that Activision has had uh Oh, what was it again now? They had, they had their fingers in something that I really liked. I can't remember what it was. Oh, that was it. GoldenEye 007, the remake. <laughs> oh. You know that you know how, um, I forget which, uh, was it Namco? They've been doing a lot of remakes on their classics like Pac-Man and, the, you know, the, the a lot of their classic games. Um, so I could see Activision doing something similar with their classics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just having a quick look through the list now. They've got the MechWarrior series. They've got Medieval. There's a there's a lot of games, you know. Yeah, because there's a lot of collections out there. There's, you know, there's two Mega Man collections. A third one's coming. There's Castlevania. There's a bunch of arcade. You know, there's they're missing out. There people want this stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, Tim, they did a game that you're going to be interested in, The Muppets Treasure Island. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> people love so, tenchu right I, I could go for a stealth Kazuta. ninja game that sounds pretty good <laughs> and uh, speak going back to the rts thing there was a game i reviewed uh last year i think it was uh, called mushroom wars 2 that was an rts that came out on the switch so and it was uh it was pretty good I'd probably give it if if I remember correctly, I'd probably give it about a seven. So it was a good seven, especially you know for what it was. Maybe even an eight if I played it longer. <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine that if you're if they're going to reinvent things, reimagine things, they've got to be talking nineties or eighties as opposed to two thousands and tens. So it's, it feels like it's got to be twenty twenty years older or more from to to really fit the bill here is what I'm thinking. Yeah. In the chat, Deontay Hancock says, I wish we can get some kind of acclaim or midway collection someday. I, uh, I, yeah, um, there, there was room, there's rumors of a Mortal Kombat collection in the, mm-hmm. coming out somewhere. I don't know if it's Switch or not, but uh, at, least, you know, at least there's some midway. I don't know who owns the rights to acclaim games anymore. I don't think acclaim's still around. No, no, no. I mean, the, the, and that, it's a shame because they had a hand in one of my favorite games of all time, which is Crazy Taxi. And I want that game on the Switch. So bad. <laughs> Get an actual steering wheel peripheral. Oh, I, I, I really wanted that Mario Kart Hori one, but the price of it, yeah, just for Mario <laughs> Kart, yeah, not so much. Yeah, a claim filed for bankruptcy in 2003 and then was sold off to various people, which sounds horrifying. Yeah, well, it no longer exists which, in any way. Which means it's like a THQ situation where it just went to right, auction right. and all, all their IPs went to everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that was a depressing way to end that. Uh, is, do we have anything else here that might cheer us up? Yes, we got plenty of news items. I was going to mention, too, Midway. It looks like they were bought by Warner Brothers Interactive. So that's who uh-huh. wants that one. Yeah, I think, uh-huh. I think most of the the original, like the Midway developers of the early mid-90s are now part of NetherRealm Studios, and they still make Mortal Kombat games. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, like, we'll move on to this. Ed Boone is still is still with the franchise. Of course. All right, we'll move on to the next item, which also got 24% of the votes from our Patreons, which is Atlas has asked fans if they want Nintendo Switch ports of their games, which sets a record high number of responses. And I, and which I also say, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. With what I read on this, I think this was a survey done in Japan. I don't think it was here. And uh, they they like specifically spelled out, would, you know, if would you be interested in Catherine in Persona yep. in blah 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 blah? And I'm like, yeah, who would say no? Yeah, this right. this, this is kind of an example of what we were talking about last week, but the uh, wonderful one on one Kickstarter. Sure, everyone's going to say yeah, but who's going to actually put the money where their mouth is? That's the big uh-huh. question. Yeah, I think they're playing with fire here because uh, in the sense that if you ask people, do you want something, almost everybody says yes to your point. But then when you say to somebody, will you buy my thing, hardly anybody gets their wallets out. So I I don't know if this is more PR puffery or a real thing. But to your point, if you ask, do you want it in the future, then people will always say yes. Who's going to say no, right? Right, right. And I think, too, that they... They would use the latest game that's going to come out in Japan first, which is the Scramble game, uh, probably as a test bed to see, you know, how how popular that franchise would be on a Nintendo and that account. Comes, and that comes out next week. Yep. And I hope it comes over not too much longer after that to the U.S. and and uh, U.K. as well. So get that English translation. So that'd be cool. Yeah, for that, uh, what, what little I've been able to piece together for, of the story based on the demo and using that uh, Google Translate app on my phone, I, I, <laughs> I'm interested in where the story goes, and I would. I'm also Same. interested in knowing how much I'm a, how accurate what the translations were. <laughs> yeah, David, Gary, did you guys play that uh, scrambled demo demo at all? No, no, uh, not not on my side. Okay. You know, my my son no. tried setting up a Japanese account so we can download it, but he didn't set it up right and i'm like oh yeah you need to do it from the website first not from the switch right yeah in order to tell the account that you you are in the in japan so i think he'll try that again later if he even remembers what the login (laughs) (laughs) all right right. yeah i'm definitely you know if if persona three four five come out i will buy them again whether i'll play them right away i don't know but I'll, I will definitely, I will, I will buy them. Yeah. Yep. I will definitely buy one of them, maybe all of them, but for sure one of them. It just depends on what comes and at what time. So scramble for sure when it comes over English version. Uh, but then if they come out with one of the other personas, then just depends on which one comes out first. I'll probably grab that one. So and then go from there. All right, on to the next topic here. We got 14% of the votes from the Patreons on uh, 30% of the Switch Lite owners already own a Nintendo Switch. And that I'm um, reading off of IGN looks like uh, 
See, from its release on September 20th to the start of the holiday season, approximately 43% of Switch Lite owners are already own the console. So, looks like there's a different number there. Yeah, uh, this, this, uh, this doesn't surprise me at all because, I mean, it's just, it's the Game Boy and DS effect, right, where people just buy them, like, regardless of whether they need them or want them, really, for, for like, any... any um, like actual valid reasons other than to have them is uh, is yeah and it is a good second second system type of system yeah definitely i mean we uh my son actually we're getting some feedback there (laughs) uh my son actually traded in his uh his og switch because he wanted the handheld version so he traded that one in my wife got hers she got the light uh and then i still have the og version so yeah i mean i'm not surprised about it either i I think nintendo knows its audience and they know that a lot of us are you know collector fans so whether it's joy cons or whole new switch units when you see those lovely colors on display at the shops it's awfully tempting especially if it's a They've priced it so it can be a kind of a spontaneous buy as well, right? I mean, just about for people. So yeah. uh, I think it stands to reason. But my, my, one of my own kids is uh, thinking of venturing into the gaming space. He's 10, and uh, there's no way I'm letting him get, my, get his hands on my Switch. So I think there's a lot, a lot of us who are thinking, okay, if, if we're going to do the family thing, a Switch Lite is the right way to go, especially for the younger ones. So I, I, I think it makes sense. And it, I think it's good business strategy as well, right? I mean, I think they need to keep growing their, their hardware sales. And PlayStation did it with the PS4 Pro. Xbox did it with the Xbox One X. And in terms of just making more things available and selling to the same people again. So I, I think it's it's all good from Nintendo, and it makes sense to me. Yeah, we talked about a few weeks ago that Nintendo sold, like, was it 10 million Switches? Or in the last quarter, or something. Maybe not that. Yeah. It was was it that much? But uh, yeah, and most yeah. of that is you know from holiday sales and the Switch Lite launch. So it's just crazy. So yeah, we, and what they said they they said they're not doing another Switch uh, model or another Switch another Switch um, skew this year. So I guess that's their message is. The switch lights are good to go. This is the focus area for the year, and um, they've given, they've kind of set the dog whistle going for all of us to buy it as a second unit, right? They're clearing the way to any uncertainty, getting in the way of buying more switch lights. I don't have one. I wonder how it is. Is it a good unit? I mean, people, I, I'm not prepared to sacrifice the big TV screen stuff, so I haven't gone down that road myself. But I'm curious if it's a, if it's a good experience. Um, I don't own one, but I played one, and I, I definitely wasn't sold. Like it is a better handheld system. Yeah, in ways, but like uh, I, I just think the OG switches with a bigger screen is better, like for reading fonts and stuff like that. And um, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, people complain about reading fonts anyway. And just imagine that on a yeah. smaller screen, yeah. especially but, Dragon Quest that has small fonts. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't pl- play Dragon Quest on handheld. I played ninety five percent on my TV. But it it is a better built handheld system. Um, I've just always got to worry about the Joy-Con drift. As we were talking uh, yes. pre-show, we were talking about Joy-Con drift, and I've already had a good couple of uh, send-offs to Nintendo, so uh, I wouldn't want to risk it with a Switch Lite. Yeah, that would be a nightmare in a Switch Lite for sure. Transferring your profile is never easy at the best of times. Yeah. For a dodgy Joy-Con drift, that would be a massive headache. But I'm, I'm, I hear good things about it, but I just haven't been tempted to try it myself for all of these reasons, basically. Looks good though. 
Yeah. Main reason why I haven't gone with a light is because I, I do too many recordings and streams, so I, I need the OG. Yeah. I'm holding out for a pro when that comes out one of these days. That that's that's what I'm that's what I'm jonesing for from a hardware upgrade yeah. perspective. I, I will definitely yeah. upgrade to that when that comes out. I've said, yeah. I think I've said that on the show once before already. Yeah, and uh, Marty's been using uh, his light a lot, and he seems to have been enjoying it. And he's been switching, if I understand correctly, he does switch a lot between uh, the OG one and the the light when he travels more. He hmm. takes it on the go, but then when he needs to do a recording, he'll go and use the OG. So, um, or the the switch fat. <laughs> does it have a um? Yeah. Does it have a a pretty instantaneous switch of your your game saves between the two units, or have you got to do some fancy you know upload download? I'm officially moving to my new unit now. I mean, I'm just curious if the I, if it's a simultaneous experience. I haven't done it myself, but my understanding is it's a, you do have to traverse some menus around to tell switch one yeah. to transfer this game save file to switch two. And had to switch two to receive it, and then that sounds, tedious, that sounds like the Nintendo I know and love. Yes, that sounds about right. Very much. It's so. tedious. It's it's doable, and people have say are saying you know that it's it works. If it's I a mean, cloud it save capable game, it's probably faster. But you still have to go in and tell the cloud to update it from the cloud, and then yes. push it when you're done. So it's yeah. it's it's still not hundred percent smooth. Uh huh. All they need is that little uh, that little uh, Pikmin carrying the little baubles across, like with the old 3DS, right? That right. sounds about like an Nintendo situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Last time I did one of those transfers, it was like a 45 minute thing because I had so much data. Oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh boy. And my, my daughter is asking if I'm awake. I'm like, yes, I'm recording. <laughs> okay. I was looking for the numbers, but I can't seem to. It's total numbers for the Switch Lite. It's not telling me. I don't think they've released the numbers split out yet. Maybe at the end of the fiscal year. So we we won't know until April. Oh, it was it was in their report. I po- I'm looking at it right now. There's of Nintendo Switches, the Americas, uh, the Americas had up till December 2019, 476. What is that? Thousand? Yeah, in the tens of thousands. So four million. Is that four million seven hundred sixty thousand? I don't know why they went. They grouped them in ten thousands because that is confusing. Yeah. But yeah. And then the lights were two million ninety thousand. Okay. So in the in America in the North America. And then Europe had four million seven hundred ninety thousand, or did I read that wrong? Okay, so no, America was six hundred eighty-five, six million eight hundred fifty thousand uh, regular switch or total switches. Oh my goodness, I'm I'm bouncing all over the place. Never mind, I'm gonna stop reading this one. <laughs> <laughs> Too hard you to know read what, this. You know what you need? You need an update on your brain training. Yes, once it comes here in the U.S., sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on to the next report uh, or a uh, news item. Pokemon Home has released in the uh, well across everywhere. I think right. So yeah, I think it's worldwide. Um, it's free oh, it and was, premium tiers. It originally launched on. You can download it on the Switch, and then uh, the, it originally was uh, 
you can download them on mobile if you knew the URL, but they weren't searching yet. And then I th- they, I think they're all searchable now. And uh, I haven't downloaded it myself, and I honestly have no plans to. But uh, my my son has already downloaded it, and uh, he he dumped his Grookey collection. He had like fifteen boxes full uh, from from when he was doing egg hatching. Transferred them all into into home, and started collecting all of his legendaries into in, into into home. So I was able to see, you know, which ones. It's, it's pretty clearly, it's very clearly marked which ones cannot be sent back to to the games. There's like this big, you know, red circle with a slash through it. So, and then some of them will some will have like a yellow caution exclamation mark symbol. I think those are Pokemon that are compatible, but they have moves that are been deprecated. So that when you transform over, they'll be missing a move or just be randomly assigned a different move or something. I'm not sure how they handle it, but so that a little warning saying that yeah, data will change. And once it's changed, it will not be unchanged. It's great that the, the Pokemon company are letting you transfer stuff throughout these generations, right? Where other games just don't do it. Uh, it, you know, it's amazing for, for all the moaning and stuff about the, uh, what they called the Dexit, you know, not having the national Dex and all this stuff was like, I understand it, but at the same time, like it's it's a lot of it's got to be a lot of work transferring so many Pokemon, so many characters from generation to generation. But at the same time, it's so broken, right? Because of these reasons, like like you say, you, moves get changed a lot, and and yeah, stats get changed on these and cause, cause, and all sorts. So because you know, as a programmer, I'm thinking of this as you know, every generation probably has a slightly modified data structure that home has to know about. And have a conversion to go from older to newer, and which is why then you can't go back. So like once something even from let's go, once you put it into, if it if it goes from let's go Eevee to home, it can go into Pikachu, but once it goes to Sword, you can't go back to either Pikachu or Eevee because that will change the data. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of work behind the scenes on this. Like you got to appreciate that. And even even if it is a bit broken, like it's just a miracle that they get this sort of stuff working in the first place, right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, being able to go back to all those old games one way or another, going through bank or whatever to get it to home is amazing to be able to, like you said, just the connectivity between all of these games over the years is a, is is truly amazing. Yeah. And I and I would think too that that the I thought that the home was going to be the new national decks. So because we didn't get it in this new game. That's effectively where, what they are doing at the, at least yeah. right now. Cause I, 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 a, I don't know if we'll ever have a game that has a full decks again. Home is your decks. Right. Yeah. As much as people don't want to hear that. Sorry. Well, that's, that's what I kept <laughs> trying to ask everybody, but nobody didn't want to hear it when I was asking, like when everybody was up in arms about the, uh, not getting the full decks was like, well, isn't that what home's for? And, but nobody, right. I just kind of got brushed off. <laughs> and even sun and moon is kind of the start of that. While every Pokemon c- could, er, uh, every Pokemon up to that point could have been in those games. There was no national decks. You know, in previous mm. games, you finished, finished the regional decks and then they upgraded you to the national decks, but there was no national decks in that, in those games. Right. 
and now it's actually it, you know it's now it's restricting access to some Pokemon. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, kind of off on a side note, uh, you know, with everybody complaining before the game came out about about this, um, and we were just wondering with all the huge sales that they had on it, was it 16 million copies sold between the time it was released and that report? Um, and everybody was kind of wondering, well, you know, everybody was complaining, but then they still bought it. Well, I was thinking we have... Yeah, that was like it, six weeks. Is it possible that because we have so many Switches sold and so many Pokemon people that, yes, there was a loud vocal people that probably were upset and didn't like it and maybe didn't even buy it, but there were still a large majority of people who weren't talking about it or didn't care and still went out and bought so, it. It was the vocal minority. Yeah, yeah this, this, works this, out this, to be. this is... This is gaming as a whole, right? I mean, we are the minority doing stuff like this. The, you know, the people who have the conversations keep up with the news and stuff. We are a small fraction of the entire market, right? There's so many uh, moms for kids who, with kids who don't know anything about news and stuff. They just go into the thing. Oh, look at this character on this box. My son might like this. My daughter might like this, and pick it up and have no idea about this stuff. And I like. You gotta cater, you know. These companies have to cater for this, right? They have to please their fans, but their fans are a small fraction sometimes, and I'm sure that's the case with Pokemon. Yeah, which could probably speak to also everybody, all of us fans, really hungry for Nintendo to give information, and we haven't gotten it yet, right? So, but Nintendo yeah. taking their time because, as a market as a whole, they know they don't need to really do anything just yet. I would think, yes. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. A slight, uh, slight off topic, but still related to Pokemon. I remember someone in Discord asked me if Pokemon was in my Game of the Year uh, discussions. And I said, for me, no, because, you know, the game didn't hook me. And really, and I, and I, I told them it probably never will again unless they really start pushing the boundaries. Which, yeah. as I said before, that, you know they need to take two years off in order to do that, and I don't think they're willing to do that. Yeah. So yeah, you know what they're doing sells as much as people don't want want to hear it. Again, it is what it is. <laughs> yes. I'd say what I'm what I'm most surprised about, just looking at it a little bit, is that Pokemon Home is not the same thing as Pokemon Bank. Uh, you have to be some sort of software wizard to get all of your Pokemon from the various platforms and ultimately into Pokemon home from what I can see. Yeah. Uh, Anything in the DS or I think DS or 3DS you have to transfer to bank, which is still a a subscription, subscription to $5 a year. So you have to have subscriptions to both in order to do this. And then, and, and then once you have it in bank and you can transfer it, transfer it into home, and then do other th- do everything else with it you can yeah. from there. I mean, I suppose the subscription costs are relatively low-ish, but I mean, they start to pile up over time, right? And there's a lot of inefficiency in there as well in terms of remember to renew this, remember, don't forget to renew that. And imagine if you got a bunch in bank and you forgot about it. I mean, what it feels like it's fraught with risk. But I was asking um, 
one of my kids if they were going to get it because I, I dabble in the Pokemons, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not maniacal about it. Whereas my older son, he is. You know, he's played a lot of the games over the years, and um, he just, he told me that. And he's not, by the way, he gets these things. He's quite clever on on the software systems. He says now nah, he just likes to catch them all with every new game. So there's going to be that kind of audience as well. Um, but it's uh, wow, what a hassle to move everything from the different platforms into the different software systems, get those connected. Uh, you need a whole multi-page guide to make it happen. And I've yeah, seen right, those I mean, multi-page guides. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, they I've got, they uh, exist. When- when Leaf Green and Fry Red came out, I went to two events. So I got an original Deoxys and original Mew. And uh, there's no way they're, they're ever leaving those games now because right, right. <laughs> I'm not going through all that just to get them onto this oh, new system. It's even worse to get them off of Gen 3 because you have to go through from 3 yeah. to Gen 4 on a DS, a non-DSi DS because you need to have yeah, the cartridge the in the game. The bottom, yeah. And then transfer that to bank and... <laughs> Yes, I'll forget that. I mean, especially being as Mew and Deoxys are released like every other day now, with the way Pokemon is with its legendaries. Mm-hmm. Especially if you, well, you, you, I don't think you can. They'll let you transfer Mew out of Pokemon Go, but definitely if you have a Deoxys, that's definitely transferable. Though Go isn't compatible yet, but will be in the future. Mm. All right. Well, let's get on to the next news item. Uh, we got Animal Crossing. New Horizons will support the Switch Online smartphone app. What can we expect from it? <laughs> what do you think it's going to do? A lot of people are ignoring it and using Skype. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I only installed that app. I have absolutely no use for it. Like everybody was saying, I think there was a lot of defenders when um, Splatoon used it and you could buy all the gear off it. Like, no, 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 no. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing for 10 minutes, and then once the novelty wore off, that was it. Like, I never used it again. Never used it for voice chat again, because it was way worse than Discord was. Um, I, I I think they're clinging onto this app, and it, it's clearly not working, so I don't know why they don't just drop it now. What are you guys' opinions I, I, on it? Are you, I, I, the, is you as negative towards it as I am? Yeah, I... Yeah, I well, you go ahead. I was going to say, I don't use it much either. Uh, I think there could be a lot more capability they could give to it, especially one one idea I had before was taking what they did in um, with uh, Smash Brothers with the video content and being able to connect it with the app. I thought would have been a lot more usable um, and also being able to use utilize the app to do more between the games as far as um sharing and things like that so okay i, I, I mean i'm oh sorry, go, sorry ahead. Dave, go ahead go ahead i was gonna go say ahead. i'm just reading a quick story about this on nintendolife.com and the first line of the story is it's easy to forget the switch online smartphone app is a thing uh and <laughs> that's, that's the first and I, up here too yeah i'd agree with that and it, the only speculation about what it might do is that um it might allow some sort of uh voice chat in-game voice chat which just makes me laugh because i don't think i would want to ever talk to anybody in animal crossing except to say get off my island and stop chopping down my trees you know (laughs) stop burying boots that you fished up (laughs) you you see i mean i'm an xbox owner right and they have their own app which which a lot of people don't ever talk about and their their app is really really good i mean even little things like using it as a remote you can do that you can navigate the system you can talk on party chat so if people are on fortnite say and they're using the xbox built-in chat you're nowhere near your system you can still talk to them 
Yeah, Nintendo is, so, is so hardwired into to the actual game that it's it just loses all relevant, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you want a party chat. You want to be able to chat with people on games when they're not in your team. Like, okay. I, I, I tried it with Splatoon, and it keeps partnering you off into your own teams. It's terrible. Microsoft and Sony are doing this at the system level. Nintendo's yeah. doing it at the game level. Yeah. And I, I think they may have wanted to avoid it at the system level to preserve system resources, but really, it voice chat, I don't think, is that intensive. Yeah. I mean, this this is the thing with the Switch, right? Because the DS this, can this, do it. This this is gonna this is gonna uh, rub some people the wrong way when I say this. I think, but this is the thing with the Switch. It's got an amazing library of games. It's a really good hybrid console, right? It's great as a handheld, but it's terrible as a home system. It's really bad as a home system. Oh like, yeah. It, it, it's got oh, so yeah. many features missing. The Joy Cons are terrible. They break all the time. The build quality, of the actual system's really bad as well. And it to me it the Worst thing, regardless of all the the bad, like badly built parts and stuff that are, that are on the switch. I mean, you turn mine on now and it says like an airplane taking off until the fan <laughs> warms up. But the worst thing, <laughs> the worst thing they ever did was the voice chat. Right? It's great when you play Fortnite and Paladins and all that sort of stuff, and you can just plug a headphone in. It's brilliant. It's great. Why not? Why just? Why just not unlock that for everything else? Right? Then, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't be too hard to do. It's just a just a firmware update that should should make that available. Well, there's, yeah. There's not, there's nothing more condemning about this than the fact that they've announced the compatibility and not bothered to say what it's going to do. That says everything for me, actually. Or, you know what? Probably what I think it is now. That I think about it. Nintendo doesn't want to pay the licensing fee on that. They want to leave it to the developers to do it at the oh, at, at, right. the, at the game level instead of the system level. <laughs> So I mean, this, yeah, going back, going back to this, Nintendo's done this before. 3DSs originally could play MP3s, and they took yeah. out that capability because they didn't want to pay the licensing fees for per unit. Oh. I mean, go, going back to this, right? It, it, it's it's great, I suppose, that there, that there is some sort of extra stuff to Animal Crossing. Uh, but again, we don't know what it is. But we don't know what uh, what's going on with Animal Crossing anyway, right? We know little tidbits that come out here and there, but for the majority, we're still in the dark about a game that's coming out pretty soon. So, it'll be interesting to Five see. Weeks. Like, I, I want them to make the app good. I, I do. I want stuff to do on the app. Like, I, I remember having, um, I don't know if it still works with the Switch version, but uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and you could play a mini game on the go. Like, that's what it needs. It, little fun mini games that have some sort of connectivity to the main game. Brilliant. It's like, it's like the little Dreamcast thing that comes out of the controller. Oh, man, that thing was the best, <laughs> I tell you. In the chat, uh, uh, the Deontay says, that he would like to see the Switch online app updated to access eShop. Yeah, just that, right? right? That, we can do we which can do that is on not the hard. Website. Just yeah, open yeah. It, it's a browser already, so just open yeah. the browser to Nintendo.com or what? It would vary by region, but yeah, I normally I buy most of my games through the website and then just say push it to my Switch. I don't. I buy very few games from the Switch directly. And like one one thing that that I do on the website quite a lot is this is a little bit of inside baseball as you guys would say it. Um, I don't know what we'd say inside football. That just sounds wrong. 
Um, <laughs> but basically, uh, you get codes if you're reviewing games, right? Um, and I redeem them through the website, which you could also do on an app if they did an app. So, yeah, I think I think that the base level app is like missing the most basic features, which is to be able to look at your account and buy. Yeah, stuff. I'm not sure we can redeem codes on on the website in North America. I know that we. Yeah, like, we can. I do it. I do it all the time. Okay, I must have never seen that function. Like, I, I used to do it all the time on the Wii U, but I've never d- tried it on the Switch. It's hard to navigate to the initial page. Once you get there, you need to bookmark it. <laughs> yeah, I bookmarked it because of that reason. Yes. So, but speaking of which, the the differences, especially because you know signing up for a UK uh, uh, profile and a Japanese profile, I can see some of the each one of those how each one of the those regions does the eShop, or at least the website version. Um, and there's still a lot of things like between. I'm sure you guys could say the same thing for for you guys. What you see in North America's version that you guys could be missing, but it seems like there's no consistency between each of those how they present the information on the, online. Where if you go to Xbox, there's a consistent message. If you go to PlayStation, there's a consistent message. It's very frustrating to see you got three different regions with three different messages or three different ways of presenting that same information. Where I think we, I think we've kind of got beyond that. I understand mm-hmm. why they did it back in the day, but I think, yeah. I think they're well, even in eShop. They, sometimes they'll slow roll a new menu item, like it'll appear in Japan first. So, like I, I, I won't normally figure out what I want to do by looking at an English eShop first, then going to Japan and following the steps, and then I'll see an extra item. I'm like, oh crap, which one do I want now? Is it the, is it the fifth from the top or the second from the bottom? Yeah, there's, there's a difference. There's a difference between the European and American one, right? And I think it's just the wording that they use. Wasn't what we have one of well, us has current while, offers, and the yeah, other one for has a while sales. You had, yeah, and I think for a while you had featured apps and we featured games and we didn't. I think we do yeah. now, but for a while we didn't. Yeah, maybe one of these times I'll if when I can find the time I'll try to show the differences that I that I noticed, try to compare it, but. Um, that's pretty much it for that news item. Um, we just need to find out more about the game. <laughs> yeah, we do. We really do. And I mean, all these leakers at the minute are like, oh yeah, this is direct next week. What? Oh no, it's, it's next week. Oh. Hang on. No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. I got the wrong way. It's next week. It's no, it's no one more week. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to just, uh, mention these three last few topics real quick because they made they made somebody voted on them so and but i know we need to get to david's topic so um the last three items that we got voted on was nintendo switch lounges coming to u.s airports only four um and of course one in seattle one in chicago one in dallas and i forget the fourth one where that one is um but they look pretty cool um there is on the u.s site Oh, under what's new, more information on that. You can check it out. Um, looks interesting. And I think if you go there, you get something free. Um, I think even a code, a $10 coupon from Target to use on a Nintendo purchase of $75 or more. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, they want you I to mean, buy two. So does two games count, or does that mean you have to buy the dang Switch? <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, and the other one is Washington, D.C., Dulles. The uh, the airport in Die Hard 2. 
So, well, I, I am, well, I'm, 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 I'm sort of bullish about this one in the sense that I'm kind of excited by it as a, as a thing because um, I, I, I'm uh, massively cheered up whenever I walk past a Nintendo display anywhere in the world, and to have them in airports feels like a good thing to me, and those are good airports to have those. But I'm looking at a picture of one of these online and. The, the sparkly, new, happy-looking, comfortable Switch zones that, that are in the models look great. But I, I can't help but wonder what they'll look like after about three months of, of people <laughs> having their Big Macs and Cokes. And, you know, yeah. I, I do I, I have, I have to maintain them, I think, you know. I mean, if you ever go to any gaming events and those are, those are just like three days long, if you by the time the last day, when the last day rolls around, the controllers are battered. Like, they are wrecked. <laughs> So I can't yes. imagine what these are going to look like, especially when everybody likes a pre-flight Burger King. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I think it's a it's a it's a good idea from a visibility perspective, and they will cheer me oh, up. Yeah. So I'm excited about it, mm-hmm. especially for uh, Dave. You sound like somebody who travels a lot and with business and stuff. So I'm yeah. sure I could definitely see that being a positive for you. I probably travel on business probably once a year if I'm lucky, maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> And to none of those airports. So, but they're only going until the end of March. So who knows? Maybe they'll move the airports around too. And there was one other thing I caught too that you get if you decide to order uh, something while you're there, a Nintendo Switch or a Lite, you receive a free carrying case with your order. Oh, <laughs> nice. All right, moving on to the next one. We've got our latest additions to NES, SNES, Nintendo Switch Online games. And that would be... And before uh, you say them, the fact that it was the second to lowest voted item, probably a hint that people yeah. don't care. Yes. <laughs> According to Eurogamer.net, it, the four games we got is, what is that, Super Tennis? If I can read that right, it's blocked. Uh, number two, meanwhile, is that... I can't see it. All right. So the other one is Poppin' Twin B. Oh, my goodness. Those are Super Nintendo games. And then for NES, there's Eliminator, Boat Duel, and Shadow of the Ninja. Yeah, they have they have scraped the bottom of the barrel, burst through the bottom of the barrel. They're under the table and in the basement. I have no idea what's yeah, going on I, here. I don't think I've heard of any of these. Oh. I've heard of Twin B. I didn't realize there was a sequel. Right. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you know what? You know what? I really want them to do at this point, and I wish they would do it. And I don't understand what's going on. But um, Nes Remix on the was it 3DS? I think the the remix. Th- those were amazing. So if they want to, you know, go through the um, a little bit of that catalog differently. Why not bring the remixes over? You know, they're the two yeah. ports that I really want. Yeah, I really. Those were, they were really good. They they were they were masterful. They they reimagined the best parts of the gameplay of some of these older games. They they cut them up in interesting ways. There there has to have been a lot of work that went into all of that. So if they're gonna bring over Pop and Twin B, just give me the remixes. You know what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, they even you know, and and for people who haven't ever played the original game, that going through the little mini games kind of taught you some of the tricks in it, yeah. including like how to, turtle tipping in the original Super Mario Brothers. Well, That's which right. I don't. I think I don't think I could have. Pass, I, I don't think I ever passed that challenge, which is why I stopped playing. But I used to be able. Mm. To, I know I used to do it when I was a kid, but I just couldn't do it again when it was when the when the remix was out. 
According to the Article 2, Breath of Fire 2 is what's coming over to Japan instead of the Super Family Tennis. I would trade oh. all four of those games just for that one. And Have you played Breath of Fire 2? I don't know what that is. Sounds like something on a Saturday night to me. I don't know what that is. Yeah, we'll, 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 I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get you some beers in. We'll send you some beers and play, play that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Saturday night. <laughs> they also are saying Sunsoft side-scrolling platformer Atlantis no Nazo and also SNK's action-adventure God Slayer for the NES those are two NES games for the Japan side so that's what's coming over soon next Wednesday alright and then the last one is Jeff Keighley will be skipping E3 not a, not a lot of votes for that one. I think one vote for that one, but it was pretty popular on Twitter today. So, but he has decided based on news that he was aware of, I guess, from the post that I saw that he would not be attending. He chose not to attend E3. Uh, well, oh, he said a ton of factors, a ton of factors why he didn't choose to go. I just don't really feel comfortable participating given what I know about the show as of today. That's what his comment. So was. I. I, my problem with this one is uh, I think it's very cynical because he's running his own Game Awards stuff these days. It's a different time of year. It's December. Um, <laughs> he, it's, it's completely in his wheelhouse to, to dump all over E3 because he's got his own competing thing going on. Yeah. Um, so I, it just feels cynical to me. And I, I don't have any beef with Jeff Keighley per se. But when you look at his business interests, you know, dropping a bomb on E3 and getting this attention to serves his needs so well. And I don't think he's declaring a conflict of interest here. So I, I would just move on because not on the story, but in terms of seeing it on Twitter, because it feels so, you know, s- sort of conflict of interest for me, frankly. And I mean, this reminds me of something that happened last year as well. Ninja left Twitch to go to Mixer. Nobody cares. Everyone's yep. still on Twitch, right? Jeff Keighley doesn't go to E3. What's that got to do with me? What's that got to yeah, do with you? Right. It, yeah. it, it, Jeff Keighley's just not going to E3. Does it really matter that much? It's one person. Like, the peop- it, well, there's the so people that, many people involved. The people that it may impact are the people not going to E3, watching the coverage on over the... Over the streamed over the internet on the show that Keeley used to host and would bring yeah. in people for interviews. I'm sure they're still going to do that, and someone else is going to have to host it. But just good job. This is the thing you see because if <laughs> you go. say to somebody, if you say to somebody, <laughs> right, say say he's hosting it in 2007. What what happened in E3 2007? People go, oh, uh, Halo, uh, Zelda, you know, something got announced. Who goes? Jeff Keighley did an amazing job at hosting, right? It, nobody cares. No, it, uh, I mean, it's, no, it's nothing to do with no. Jeff Keighley, in my opinion, yeah. right? It, yeah, yeah. I, like, I like the guy. I think the Game Awards are great. I defended them heavily this year, right? Whenever yeah, I thought they were good too. Absolutely, yeah. But the biggest news of this is this. I think he has been to every E3 like, yeah. up to this point, and this is the first one he's not going to. That's, that's like the main reason why it's newsworthy. Newsworthy. I mean, I, I, I do think there's an interesting discussion around is E3 dying, which everybody's talking about, obviously, all over the place. And this this will be cited as evidence that it's on its last couple of legs here or last couple of go rounds. Um, and it, maybe it is. Who knows? Right. But 
for me, this what happens to E3 is way more interesting than whether Jeff Keighley goes or not. It's just a little footnote to the story, I think. I mean, that's the thing you see because like people are reading way too much into this tweet as well. It could be that they like they didn't want to pay him as much. Yeah, that, that's yeah, what could be it. That, that's, that, that I was thinking that too. It. I just wasn't didn't want to so, be the first person to like, say it. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of. Yeah, well, but this could breed new gaming personalities. We could get a new Jeff Keighley come from this. They could get somebody new, young, you know, to host it. Somebody who appeals to Aren't a younger a, generation more. So, uh, when are you guys going to E3 this year? I thought I saw that on the Patreon. I am planning making a on. pitch. Yeah, there you go. There's and a role and, for you. And let's not... <laughs> say that this let let's say that this does uh, spell the end for E3. Let's let's theorize that a second, right? So Jeff Keighley quits because the, they're shafting. Sony, Microsoft, whatever, and then Nintendo's like, you know what? They got shafted. I'm out. Xbox also goes, you know what? Forget this. We're not going to be the only ones here. I'm out. What will happen then is Gamescom will be the new E3 in Germany, right? Because that's probably the next biggest uh, gaming event worldwide. And then the cycle will start again. There was things before E3. There'll be things after E3. There'll be new presenters. There'll be people continuing to do what they do. We will always get games. It will never end. So even if E3 does come to an end, I won't worry about it. We're perfectly yeah. fine. The, Especially the thing... Nintendo fans. This, this, this is the one that Correct. affects us yeah. the least because we have no, a video. No, that's right. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just about to say that the thing that will kill E3, and insofar as Nintendo fans would even care anymore, but the thing that will kill it is if... Um, Xbox had their big coming out party this year at E3, which they've said they'll do, right? They're going to be all over E3 as well. I think what they've said, even if it's just down the street in the theater or whatever, they, they yeah, tend to have some sort, of, some sort of visible presence there, and they've been very supportive about it publicly. Yeah. But if that happens and they lose the console sales to PS5, I think that's it. Because then if PlayStation don't go at all, Xbox show up and give some kind of support, and they still lose the big uh, console war at the end of this year, I, I think that's it for E3. Yeah, I think yeah, that's what they did last year, and they're planning on doing this year. Is they won't yeah. be in the show floor, but they'll, right, they'll be, be in, down the street. They'll be down the street. I I do plan on checking them out at some point, but I but with everything else I'm doing, I probably I may not even have a chance. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm I'm sure we all we collectively wish Jeff Keighley like whatever he does the best, right? So you know, if he doesn't oh, yeah. do E3 anymore. Hopefully yeah. the Game Awards continues to grow for him because he seems pretty cool, right? He's done some good stuff for the community and all that, and gaming as a whole and stuff. But I think this is this is one of those things where people have took way too much, to read too much into it. Like there will just be someone else presenting, and that's it. Ibisol asks, E3 shut down for a couple of years, right? I don't think it ever fully shut down, but for a, a few years, it was really trimmed down to like mm. really like down to just, uh, you know, a few thousand people. It, it is industry only. There were def to, where bef it always meant to be industry only, you know, but. And even then, it would bring you know thirty to forty thousand people, but uh, this is down to less than ten thousand. So people who smaller groups who used to be able to go were unable to go. And then it was it was around the early twenty tens is when they started ramping it up again. So I was you know. It's funny how we've managed to have quite a decent conversation out of this and quite a long one, lengthy one, considering it's the least voted for news <laughs> article of the week. Apparently, you know, if we would have voted, we would have probably voted for that one to talk about. Uh, I think this would have been my top <laughs> one just be, just because like, I think that it's, it is hysteria. It's just like the 
um, direct drought is causing a bit of hysteria at the minute. But I mean, it, this is just goes to show the future of gaming and media as a general, right? The internet's accessible to everyone. Everyone has push notifications, so why not just do a video rather than spend millions and millions and millions converting a convention center for the for the couple of thousand people to turn up when you could have your millions of people worldwide tune into something instead? Well, I'm cer- I'm sure that we could spend a lot of time talking about E3, maybe even uh, recommendations and how we could fix it, but. Uh, I don't know if we have enough time for this show to do that. Maybe I could do it on the dinner table show where we talk about how we could fix E3. That's, <laughs> a, very, that's a good idea. Lots of ideas for that. That's a good idea. So, next normally on the docket, we would have rumors. We're going to say Nintendo Direct next week, right? Because that's that's been a rumor for the last God knows how long. So. <laughs> yes, rumor. My uncle at Nintendo says for sure next week. Yeah. Next week <laughs> on, a, on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Yes. So, but before we get into what we've been playing, I believe, David, you brought us a topic. Yeah, you know, I thought it would be interesting to at least uh, discuss here on the podcast, maybe get some uh, feedback from folks uh, who are maybe joining through Discord around uh, in a pretty, uh, I thought, uh, stunningly insightful, interesting little nuggets of information uh, podcast that went out. It It was little remarked upon at the time. Uh, featuring Reggie Fils-Aimé joining a podcast called Present Value. Um, This podcast, I think, looking at it, got recorded before Christmas, sometime in the middle of December. I can't quite tell when it got put out on podcast services. It looks like end of December, maybe early January. But um, it's a podcast where Reggie Fils-Aimé talks about, it's only a 55-minute podcast, it's not that long, but coherently and and pretty compellingly about what he did at Nintendo between when he joined uh, NOA in 2003 and when he retired in April of last year. And if you think of that 15, 16 year period as being maybe the second golden age of Nintendo, not without its potholes. They do talk about the Wii U, by the way. But it's a, it, that, that interview with Reggie Fils-Aimé uh, is well worth a listen. Uh, and if people have a chance, I'd recommend they do it. But if they don't, uh, you know, I pulled out of there, uh, you know, the, the sort of top five most interesting things that Reggie had to say about his time at Nintendo. And it's kind of fascinating because you know, he is uh, pretty charismatic when he's talking. He's clearly a very smart guy, and, and not just in a corporate way. He's just clearly pretty brilliant, frankly. And and he's very uh, very clear and lucid about what he was doing and what he was trying to do when he was in Nintendo for all those years. And I think that's interesting as well because Nintendo, for me, and a lifelong fan of, of all the different consoles and, and the company as a whole and the games and the software, still don't really... Let, let you know a lot, you know, in the um, in the Nintendo Directs they do, in the ones they did when Iwata was uh, around, uh, they're fun, they're cute, they they open up, but it's always in a controlled way. You don't really know what's happening inside inside Kyoto Towers there and what they're thinking. And, and he actually um, lets loose a little bit. So a few words about the podcast. It's um it's a podcast that is hosted and presented uh, by various kind of MBA students. Uh, who are over at Cornell University uh, at one of their graduate schools. They, they release about one podcast a month. Mostly they're featuring lecturers and university stars. But he's there because uh, he's joined uh, the school there uh, as what they call a leader in residence at the Dyson School over at Cornell. So he's 
you know, he's clearly being interviewed on the podcast in his capacity as a leader in residence at the university. But he's, of course, talking about Nintendo as well as some of the work he did at Pizza Hut, MTV, uh, and so on. So it's well worth a listen. But I did note some of the what I thought were the five most interesting things he had to talk about in case listeners here don't have a chance to get into it or, or can't find it, maybe. Um, so I thought it'd be worth talking about. Did you guys get a chance to listen to it? I had no idea about it at all. Yes, I did. I, li- I listened to it before, and it's actually, I have it saved to listen to again because there are so many good nuggets in that podcast. Yes. Yeah, so I've actually listened to it twice, Tim, to your point. The first time the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, this will just be interesting because uh, I, I saw some reference to it in a, in a story online somewhere. But it, yeah, I've listened to it two times now because it, he's, he's, letting a, he's letting a lot out. And if you actually marry up what he's talking about with the knowledge we all have of the time and what happens at Nintendo, it's actually pretty interesting if you start to make some inferences about what's really going on. Yeah. So um, do you want me to give you my top five most interesting things here? Sure. sure, and before you before you start, just to let everybody know, the podcast is called Present Value Podcast. So right. if you want to look it up and and listen to that, it was like I said, for fans of Reggie, it's a great listen. But also for anybody who wants to get into the same field in in PR, communications, marketing, I think it's great business views on that side as well. Very good. So, so here's here's my top five interesting Reggie facts, uh, or at least Nintendo facts via Reggie from here, from least uh, exciting to most exciting, at least to me personally. So the fifth one I notice here is um, the Switch would definitely not exist uh, in its form that we have today had there not been a Wii U. Uh, and I'll always remember the podcast you guys did back before the Wii, uh, the Switch came out when it was still called uh, the NX or whatever. And I think you had Adam Lenart and others doing designs as to what oh, it would yeah. look like. And there was a lot of speculation, right? I think, interestingly, I think everybody was thinking back then the Switch would follow the 3DS, right, in terms of design and aesthetic. Um, so we can we can guess that the Switch is the successor to Wii U in form and function. But um, it's a guess, right? But he's actually confirmed in this podcast that, um, and it's an interesting couple of moments in the podcast too, that Nintendo had an absolutely massive, colossal um, moment of crisis around the Wii U where they had to really go back to the well and think about what was going on here. And the one takeaway they had from the Wii U was that they got so many complaints about the fact that the Wii U tablet stopped working 30 feet away from the console that that became the inspiration for what the Switch became. Um, and hearing them talking about that, hearing him talking about that, while we could guess that, um, it's pretty interesting as a confirmation fact that the Switch that we all know and love, that's such a runaway success in the market, wouldn't exist without the Wii U. Yeah, that was great to hear that. Yeah, so that was pretty fascinating. Uh, the uh, next thing, validation, oh, right? It was yeah, validation, exactly. And also, <laughs> if you were, I fired up my Wii U the other day, actually, um, before I listened to the podcast, and it's still a great machine. So if you're a Wii U fan and you were one of the Wii U warriors, it is a kind of validation to know that part of what was great about the Wii U um, set the base for what is today so successful about the Switch. So it is validation for all those long, hard, lean years without any games. Without any friends, you know, on the on the system, I mean. So it was good to hear. Yeah, I actually, I ha- I reacquired my uh, Wii U from from my son, so I can record footage for a video I'm working on. So that's, uh, that's the real Switch fat right there. That's the real Switch fat. That is, and when and, and when and when you look at the tablet there, you can really see the 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 lineage, right? I mean, you can see it's it's basically a Switch sort of. Uh, for 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 four year olds, yeah. Just get, get rid of the bezel and you got to switch light. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And about a like a two thirds of the thickness. Yeah. 
So um, he also then went on to talk about elsewhere in the podcast about uh, when he joined in 2003, 2004, you know, that was the time when the GameCube was the prevalent system. Um, he himself had not even bought a GameCube. Uh, he only had an N64. I say only as, as a fan, right? So he, he'd interviewed for the job. You know, even he as a gamer didn't have a GameCube and it was desperate times. And so the next I've written down here is Nintendo dropped between $2 billion and $3 billion to buy back its market share uh, and come back from the dead in 2006 when it released the Wii. Uh, and I think, you know, we talk about the famous Nintendo war chest, what they're capable of doing when times are tough. Um, but he talks at some length about how in the U.S. Uh, they packaged up uh, Wii Sports with the Wii um, to, to give you fun out of the box, as he calls it on the podcast. But he, he says, uh, and it's fascinating to hear, his, one of the first things he had to do uh, in Nintendo of America was convince uh, the bosses back in Kyoto to bundle Wii Sports with the Wii. Um, and what he estimates is Wii Sports would have sold for 40 or 50 bucks a piece back in 2003. That sounds about right. Um, and they would have sold about 50 or 60 million copies of it, which is two or three billion dollars of lost revenue just to get back into the market. Uh, and he was saying at that time the PS2 was all dominant and the Xbox and the GameCube had broadly similar sales, which if you think about it is not too different to where we are today with the Xbox One X and the Switch being comparable in sales and the PS4 being the runaway hit of the generation. So it kind of makes you think what they might do going forward to win back more market share if they still have that kind of appetite, by the way. I'm not sure that they do. But to hear them having spent $3 billion to get their market share back was pretty interesting. Confirmation, those were desperate times. Yeah, and I mean, that was the single move which which arguably made the Wii as popular as it was, right? Because everybody talks about uh, Wii Sports whenever they think about the Wii. Definitely. I think we've lost Dave. So that cost them... Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you just froze up for a few seconds. You're you're good. All right, fantastic. Yeah, so that cost him $3 billion, but it was worth it, right? Because like you're saying, that's what everybody knows about the Wii. Also, he mentioned they only did that in the Americas and Europe. They didn't do it in Japan, which I I didn't know. Um, Mm -hmm. So they really underperformed in Japan with the Wii, apparently. So... Number three on my list of five, it was all a ruse all along. Um, He admits that all the memes, all the performances were heavily workshopped inside of Nintendo. Uh, My name is Reggie, I'm about kicking ass and I'm about taking names was completely approved by Kyoto. It wasn't a spontaneous moment on stage. Also, my body is ready (laughs) was something he rehearsed with Bill Trinan endlessly before he went on stage. And again, I think we kind of knew that, but I always like to imagine that he walked out there and said, I'm going to go crazy on this audience, you know, but it was it was all it was all definitely show business. It was all approved by Kyoto and a lot of it was workshopped for effect. But it was just interesting to hear him talk about that because his his um legacy as a meme machine uh, is something that I think a lot of us are really fond of but uh, behind the scenes it was it was all a ruse <laughs> I I wondered if some of, uh, how much of that was scripted and how much of that was on the fly so I'm kind of not surprised that most of it was scripted yeah, yeah. and you got to think the generation that we're in at the minute like if you can have uh, some meme or internet like viral something go viral like that's it you don't need any other form of marketing you've done it right there so that's a really clever move really 
Yeah. To say there's something so small as well as saying that you're going to kick ass, like Duke Nukem said that a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, that again, that's what you think of if you think of Duke Nukem, right? Yeah, that's right. So as you say, clever and ahead of its time too, right? Because they did all those things before social media was a massive phenomenon. So a ruse, but a clever ruse. Uh, and so, so credit uh, to, to, the, to, to Reggie there. Um, the next one I've got here is if you think that Nintendo is bent on its own self-destruction, you're right. Uh, it was he, he talks about he, he talks about going to Kyoto um, to one of the main conference rooms they have in the Kyoto headquarters there, where they have a a, a plaque on the wall which says uh, "Make something unique in Kanji," uh, which sounds pretty good. It's the Nintendo we know and love. But then he goes on to talk about um, failing forward and failing hard, uh, and he says that the reason that he joined Nintendo in the first place is because when he talked to um, Satoru Iwata about joining the company, um, they both agreed that they love risk and that they are comfortable with risk. Um, and he goes on to say, if you don't fail, you're not pushing hard enough in your business. So absolutely confirmation that that generation of Nintendo leadership was all about pressing the self-destruct button if things got too comfortable. And sometimes it blows up and it's horrible. Um, sometimes it blows up and it's an amazing, but all those weird things they do um, are absolutely by design philosophically. And um, so now the Switch is sold, what, 50, 60 million units, or at least it will soon. Expect the self-destruct button to get pressed soon is what I took away from that comment. So that's interesting because like um, like uh, people people have probably followed well aware, but that I, I do open university at the minute, so I do university part-time. And my course is all about marketing and, and PR and all that sort of stuff. And one of the things that we 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 learn at the minute is designing, right? This entire year has been about designing. And one of the biggest things that keeps cropping up in videos and lectures that we, that I've watched, and even in uh, the welcome pack that came with the university course, is failing. That they fail on purpose sometimes. And we have these set of cards in the pack that came with the university course, and um, their design aid. Um, cards. So what you do is you shuffle this pack of cards, pick one randomly, and you should use that towards whatever it is you're designing. And some will say, sleep on it, you know, come back the next day. Some will say, take a walk and think. And the one of them is uh, make it fail. So basically, if you're thinking about, say, the chair that I'm sitting on right now, if you design it to make it fail, so you design it so it's slanted forward, so it's uncomfortable to sit on. That has a purpose. That will then have a purpose because, uh, say, there's actually saying that Public there's actually a toilet. Benches. There's actually a toilet that came out um, not not too long back, a couple of months ago, which is slanted forward, and it's to stop people from slacking at work, sitting on the toilet on their phone, because you 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 sit on it and you get so uncomfortable after ten minutes that you'll want to come off it. So yeah. by failing. You've actually succeeded in solving someone else's problem, and I think that the, that this is it's good for like media and hardware and stuff like that because uh, without that risk, you would have never have had something like motion controls. You would have never have had like the hybrid system that we got now. And for every mistake that the Wii U made, right, you've already spoke about it, but it it made a success somewhere else. So yeah. even if that product failed, it had a knock-on effect to succeed somewhere else. 
Yeah, well, they are they are succeeding spectacularly with failing on the mobile app. So at least that explains some of that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, but, um, but then again, then again, they failed with Mario, but they've they've brought it back by doing um, a different pay system everywhere else. They tried it and it didn't work. So I think he was talking about NSO on the, the NSO app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just that one in particular. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant just in mobile in general. I was going to say, no, no, I mean, look, fail with Mario, and and that's yeah, spread yeah. like a subscription yeah. service, which everybody loves. Yeah, he he right? says the moment that he uh, he for and those Iwata... who not want those not watching on YouTube, he just had the funniest looking face when as he said that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but on that la- on that second to last point, he um, he says he and Iwata forged their bond in their first interview call because Iwata said Nintendo doesn't run away from risk; we run towards it, uh, which filled me a oh. little bit with awe and a little bit with fear. <laughs> yeah. So that that's so heroic. It's such a yeah. heroic quote. Like that's something we could all dream of having on yeah. our gravestones for one me day. Me working right? at a bank, you would never hear any executive say that. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it does sound like something that would be on your gravestone, right? He didn't run away from risk. It turns out he ran towards it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's that's how uh, pink slips get written out. Yeah. And so last for me on that podcast, and again, I encourage everybody to listen to it. It's fascinating. But Reggie's story of taking on the Japanese establishment to get his job is worth listening to alone. Um, He would have been interviewing for his job. I did a bit of research on this with a guy called Minoru Arakawa, uh, who was the president of Nintendo of America at the time that he joined in 2002, 2003, that sort of time. Um, And in the interview process, um, he demanded to speak to the president of Nintendo itself. Uh, which, of course, was uh, Satoru Iwata. Uh, but the guy he would have been going over the head of, this Minoru Arakawa guy, was a player in the Japanese scene. And he doesn't talk about this in the podcast, but when you hear him talking about the process, you can hear how tense this was as a moment in his life. Um, uh, Minoru Arakawa um, was the Nintendo of America president who, of course, uh, was credited with naming Mario. It was his landlord uh, who was called... Uh, Mario. Uh, he was married to the daughter of Hiroshi Yamauchi, who was the third president of Nintendo. So, I mean, that is a time in Japanese business history when things were tight, you know? Yeah, and it was so a family the, company. And it was a family company. And to go and to say to that person, I'm sorry, I can't accept your job until I talk to the big guy in Japan, I mean, that's a big moment. And his story about that is absolutely fascinating. Uh, so, you know, Nintendo, uh, so Reggie was a hardcore player and Nintendo was apparently in dire straits and desperately needed him and he played that for all it was worth in the interview process. And if you're ever interviewing for a job or making a big move in your life, listening to him talking about how he took on the Nintendo establishment and some of the fallout from that is absolutely fascinating. So Reggie was a player. We we thought it going in, you know it coming out. Yeah. So so kids, if 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 you're listening right now and you're going for your first job, just walk into that McDonald's. Oh I want to see the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> who are you you're not ronald <laughs> where's ronald mcdonald where's the clown right. so yeah. yeah i think i think i think you can do all that if you actually went to the same university as well so just make sure you've got the credentials on your resume first i guess yeah. so I, I i downloaded the podcast i'll give this a listen at some point um for the for those checking it out again it's the present value podcast it is episode 26 which has a release date uh published a publication date of december 28th to help help in your search okay so thanks for bringing that david yes, yeah no well, my pleasure all right so let's uh talk about what we've been playing 
Okay, and uh, <laughs> let's start with our guests. Uh, we always start with our guests first. So, David, what have you been working playing? All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm going to start with one Nintendo game for a good reason, and then talk about what I'm playing on the Switch at the moment. So, That's perfectly uh, earlier... fine. All right. Well, earlier this year, I finished uh, Death Stranding. It was my sixth ever platinum. Uh, on the PS4. And actually, Gary and I swapped a couple of notes about this on Twitter as well. Um, you know, I absolutely loved Death Stranding. Uh, and it's a, one of those games that, of course, if you haven't got a PS4, you won't be able to play, but it divides the audiences. The reason I want to mention it here is one of the reasons why I fell in love with it so much. About five or six hours in, it struck me like a bolt of lightning that um, uh, it's absolutely a love letter to Breath of the Wild. Uh, so much of the gameplay, so many of the mechanics, uh, so much of what Hideo Kojima is doing is, it, it was being, you can see that the game was being written and developed at the time when Breath of the Wild was hitting the market. Because if you can see it, you can go there. Um, there's hot springs action going on, just like you're going to the volcano. So it's, a, it's very much an industrial strength Breath of the Wild. And if anybody's on the fence about playing it who has access to play it, you like Breath of the Wild, and you wonder what it looks like with big mechs involved and in, in, in warfare with crazy dead things. Uh, it's worth giving it a play. But I, I love that game, and it's very Nintendo-friendly, I would say, if you're, if you're of that mindset. And jarred babies. Yeah, but uh, don't be put off by the wacky stuff. It's, it's, it's mostly a chilled, relaxing. I listened to about 100 hours of podcasts while I was playing because you can do that, you know. And if you need something to play to zone out for a while and listen to some podcasts but still be having a good time, that is the game to go for. But it's not Nintendo, so I just wanted to mention it in passing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am still... Uh, I'm still limping along with Pokemon Go. Uh, all of my friends are are gray on the system. Even Justin isn't sending me presents anymore, so I'm thinking it might be time to pack it in soon. Uh, but uh, still on Pokemon Go, still enjoying it, still fun to walk around with. That is the single longest time I've ever played a game in terms of duration. I started it when it came out, still playing it now, so probably worth mentioning, I think. Um, I'm giving Brain Age a go on, on my Switch. Uh, I know you haven't got it in the US yet, but of course we have it here in Europe. It confirms that I am 46 years old, apparently in real life, and 79 years old in my brain. So it's a it's a crushing blow to my self esteem. But I am I'm striving to get to 75. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, uh, I did also want to mention, guys, two other games that I'm playing: um, Spider Solitaire, uh, which is a game that nobody will have heard of. Uh, but you know, every now and again, I go into the Switch and I say, okay, how much, how many coins have I got in my credits here? How do I just blow those coins on something to give it a go? It was about five bucks or less. Um, it is actually the most fun solitaire game that I've had, and I'm always a sucker for a solitaire game uh, in a long time. It's not easy. It, it, it is kind of testing, actually. It's it's two packs in one as opposed to one deck of cards or how many deck of cards you normally get in solitaire. Um, but it's, it's actually pretty good fun. I, I researched it. Nowhere online does it say who the developer or the publisher was. So it is it is mobile mobile gaming trash, but it's good trash. It's good fun. <laughs> uh, and the, the last thing I wanted to mention that I'm playing is The Witcher. Um, the Witcher on Switch. And uh, I have to say, 10 hours in, uh, I am loving The Witcher on Switch. I tried to get into The Witcher on the Xbox when it first came out. I got as far as maybe the first little mini boss in the, in the tutorial section. Uh, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get on the bus. I couldn't make it work. I couldn't get my head around it, but it is the perfect game 
for commuting. Uh, it's got short missions, uh, a lot of short missions, some beautiful worlds. The amount of effort that CD Projekt Red have put into making this look and play and feel good on the mobile Switch is absolutely outstanding. So um, I can't recommend Witcher highly enough. I was trying to find out how many people have even bought this thing. Um, and CD Projekt Red have said a few things in their latest company results about it. It, it sold okay. Uh, apparently it, it made them some money in a down year right now, so that's good. But you know, when you guys were talking last week about EA not porting stuff to Switch, I, I wanted to call in and, and shout at you all in a in a friendly dad way, uh, because you know we EA, it's easy to dump on these guys, uh, and everybody likes doing it, right? But they are one hundred percent right when they say that all of the big sellers on the Switch are Nintendo games. And I and, and what the reason I was getting so agitated last week when I was listening, and I was glad I was coming on this week, is because if we as Switch owners don't buy uh, The Witcher, which is lovingly ported, a beautiful game and amazing to play. We don't deserve all these other ports. What are we doing? You know, so I have to urge everybody to get out there and buy some Witcher because it's amazing. Nice. I actually look, I looked at the Nintendo website about Spider Solitaire to because they normally post the publisher and the developer, and it says publisher undefined. Yeah, so exactly. That makes me think either it's. Uh, they can't be uh, completely unknown. Maybe they just want to stay anonymous. I don't know. Or maybe that's the name of the company, and that would be genius. Oh, that, w- that would be genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you look like you wanted to say something in regards to uh, what David said. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. I've spoke about this uh, on another podcast um, about EA, and uh, but he said that basically the exact same thing that I said. EA are a massive uh, company. They know exactly what they're doing, and they're completely right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we it's easy to think that just because a game like Diablo, Dark Souls, The Witcher's out, that it's done really, really well, and it's a huge success. And now, if, if CD Projekt Red are saying it's sold okay, then it's not a huge success. It's right. It's made money. It's not a huge success. Yeah. So the the effort and time and resources, not that got put into it, but got took away from something else, probably wasn't worth it, yeah. right? To, to, so, to quote another YouTuber, you know, you know, they can make the game can make the most money it's ever made, but it is not all the money, so it isn't a success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so basically, that, that's basically it. Like EA have got their focus somewhere else and and every time a game comes to the switch it's not a case of like oh turn a slider downgrade the graphics because you know that the switch could run that sort of game where the graphics have just been lowered really badly it takes a lot of love and craft and with with those resources taken away from something else they're probably they could lose millions yeah Yeah, i mean i mean look who who knows whether that contributed to the delay of cyberpunk Uh, it might be a reach to say that what they did on witcher reporting made them delay cyberpunk this year maybe they would have delayed it anyways but it's absolutely the the, the right point i think that they invested a lot of time and effort into it. It, it it is beautiful on the switch and it's great it's i've played it on both systems xbox and switch so i know that i can see the downgrades and some of the textures and so on not a problem at all it's an amazing game um and for them to have done that and then not get the the, the payback for it means ea is is correct i mean i got upset i suppose you know with ea and ubisoft and others when they didn't support the switch out of the gate necessarily um and set same thing sell okay when it when a unit has 10 million in the market kind of understandable but if, if we have 50 million of these in the market and witcher still only sells okay well 
we can't complain about these publishers not bringing stuff over. We just have to kind of get on with life, I think, and enjoy what is good about the Switch. But we need to sort of put the put the pitches and put the the the, the pitchforks down and the and and everything and just get on with life, I think. And and again, okay. going, okay. going full full round back to the conversation that I, I had earlier, uh, with, probably with myself, is that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, this this goes to what I was saying about it not being the best home console, right? Because essentially you got to see this as the Game Boy or the DS. And every once in a while you did get ports from, you know, the big games like Mario 64 onto the DS, but they were never the same, right? And I think that the Switch is in the same boat. Like the, the, the home consoles are so much stronger than it now that like whatever games it gets, it, it gets and it's a miracle that they run. Such as FIFA, right? We got our own version of FIFA, which is like really watered down. But it, I mean, we ha- we've had the same thing on all the handhelds. We've always had a FIFA that's really watered down. So it's not any different to how it used to be with the rest of the handheld. It's just now that it's got this like blurred line of being a home console. Uh, and on top of that, we've also got the internet load age where everybody wants to make it known. So I have to say something because, you know, I was the one who is pissed probably most about EA not doing something enough, I think. They do something, but not enough. Um, and and I'm probably not smart enough to make the argument or uh, to make the counter argument to yours uh, to th- or think of enough things to counter what you said. What you say is make which makes sense. They're they're a business. They need to make money. Um, from me, I'm looking at from a consumer perspective, not just a Nintendo fan, a consumer's perspective. Um, and my frustration lies with. If you go with The Witcher 3, I completely agree. People should pick it up and show their support to that because it is definitely a a superb packaged game, uh, especially with all the stuff it comes with physically. And and if you don't get it physical, you want to get digital, it still sounds like it's a great game. Yeah, by the way, to your point, it has all the expansion packs packed in with it. It's amazing. And you get a map in there too, I think, right? Yeah, that's uh, so. right. Got a map in the physical. Yep, it's beautiful. Yep. But it's a port, and it's a port to a system that is uh, that is not uh, known for getting as many people to play a game like this. This is a mature rated game, <laughs> right? And that those. For it to do okay is actually probably really well for a family-type system. And I know they're trying to get away from that, or at least to a certain extent, but it's still a Nintendo system. What I'm trying to – what I'd say about the EA thing is that I don't see them trying. I see them just, you know, oh, let's just do this, shove this uh, FIFA game over because we can't do Frostbite on it. We're not going to – do anything with uh, with um, tools that we know will work on the system or other systems. We're just going to do the you know the lesser of everything and get it over. And then even to do the what was it 2020 version of FIFA where it was just the same game but upgraded rosters. Yeah, it's like they, they called it legacy the legacy legacy edition, which is basically right. It's it's the 2019 build with a roster update and called it 2020. If people are buying it that way, great. If they're having fun with it, that's great. I don't know because I don't 
I don't buy FIFA games. I even said before too that I would I would appreciate a Madden game kind of the same level, you know. Yeah, it's not frostbite, it's not the glorious graphics that they're building on, but at least try to put something that you know will work for the audience, you know, that uh, or the device where maybe you go back and say make it in appealing yeah. to nostalgia and go oh you know we did really well with Madden 94 95 96 on the snes we'll we'll take those type of graphics maybe you know spruce it up a bit but put new uh new uh rosters on and try to sell that yeah i i i think tim you and i don't disagree too much in a sort of interesting way because what i'm saying is cd project red did all the things that you're saying ea should do with one game that is called the game of the generation for a lot of gamers right so they 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 made it fit for purpose they made it perform well in the system they didn't some do some you know half-assed job of bringing over a previous framework and putting new names on teams like we did with fifa right um so they did everything you're talking about and not enough people bought it you know so I'm just saying, if EA was to put that kind of time and effort in, why would EA get a different result? Because it's it's Witcher is a mature rated game. It's a different audience. It's not going to appeal to a master master audience as say a sports game. And still, even the sports games are limited. Yes, true, that is true too. But it's just as a consumer, I, I I'm disappointed that EA doesn't want to try to do something. Well, I've got some good news for you, Tim, or it could be. Uh, EA is actually hiring for a Frostbite engineer to work on Switch. Well, that's so good. they might be porting the engine over, which means we could get stuff, but I would not take that as we're going to get anything. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I hope so, too, because they did use a different engine for Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order. They didn't use... I I, th- I I I agree with what you're saying about it, about it being a mature game, but I think what you need to see is the biggest picture of the sales. Like um, The Witcher Three still sold immensely on every other console, and uh, I think if FIFA's, I mean at least EA are giving FIFA a shot, right? And it's 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 clearly working to for them for a, to a degree, but not enough to justify doing the full game. Anyway, you know we should we should bring this conversation up another time. Yeah, right. I have a huge blowout discussion on it, and maybe around a dinner table. And yes, yeah, so sure I did there. Boom. Thank me later. There you go. <laughs> yeah, just again, I agree with you guys. It overall, it is about business. It's just from a consumer side. Yeah, my friends. I'm a Madden, I'm a Madden fan. I just want to yeah. see Madden games on the Switch. I, I feel your Madden pain, and I support you in your quest. <laughs> Thanks. Right. So, Gary, what have you been playing? Me? Uh, yeah, I've been playing a game that's also not Nintendo, right? And also along the same lines of Pokemon Go. I've been playing Minecraft Earth as it's in beta for Android users. And uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but, you know, the, the love relationship between um, Minecraft, Microsoft, and Nintendo is, is, is sort of worth justifying and bringing this game up, especially because it's based on Pokemon Go. So it's basically the same thing as Pokemon Go. You walk around the real world doing things. Uh, it's, it's very blocky. It's very Minecraft. Um, and uh, it, it's also taking it from a slightly different angle. There's a lot of, like crafting times which is a a big mobile thing anyway right where you have to you build something you have to wait real time so they've got that money 
Yeah, they've gone that approach. So I, I expect that there's going to be transactions there. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what's going to be. Um, but basically, uh, in, as you walk around, instead of Pokemon appearing, there's all sorts of little, like, there'll be like a, a, a bunch of rocks or a tree or a pig or something like that. And you basically collect them to build your own dioramas. So um, I haven't dived too much into it, so I can't talk about the exact mechanics. I've seen a few things sparkling off in the background, which kind of look like Pokestops or gyms, but I haven't actually got to them yet. But uh, from what I've seen so far, it's very Pokemon Go. So if you like Minecraft, you like Pokemon Go, then you'll probably enjoy it. I mean, the AR stuff doesn't work very well, but hey, that's that's just technology before the technology is right. Uh, and other than that, I've been playing uh, a game which Justin skimmed across um last week uh with the touring test right i think he just started it right um uh, which is a square and its collective release um and basically it's one of the most uh it's one of the puzzle games i've enjoyed the most in a very long time so it's a first person puzzle game looks like a first-person shooter from screenshots because you've got a gun, but the gun's there to collect energy orbs so you can um, suck them out of components to shoot them into others. It's basically circuitry-based, so it's all about like which wire leads up to where, which um, item this wire actually activates, how it activates it. Um, it's all about different switches and stuff like that, and there is more mechanics gradually open up and a big mechanic introduced just after the halfway point which i won't really talk about in case anybody's um thinking of getting this game um but the puzzles are really good some of them are really easy some of them do get really tough but they always sort of ease you after the tough ones with uh, another couple of easy ones so the difficulty levels like gets continuously harder but you'll have a bit of a spike and then a come down and uh, i i thought the progression of it was really good because of that reason um it's got an ongoing story where basically you play as a girl called eva and she's um woken from a, a sleep on a vessel and sent to uh, europa which i believe is one of the moons of jupiter right um but she's she's sent down to the surface because the rest of the uh crew have gone missing and you're aided by a computer AI called Tom, who you don't actually see. He's not like a robot or anything. He's just a, an AI intelligence. So, um, not, which, not, so completely not GLaDOS, huh? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and uh, basically HAL 2000. I mean, Tom can control like CCTV cameras and stuff like that as well. Um, so he's always got eyes on you. And the uh, basic premise is that you go into this section of rooms which is the puzzles called the turing test and it's to decide whether you are a human or a robot so it's designed to keep robots out but humans in uh, because they can't figure out the robots can't figure out the logic behind them in such a way that humans could um and as you're going through it the story opens up that basically it becomes about trust between a human and a machine and uh, about uh, ethics and logic and stuff like that so um is you're looking at a problem from one end like the comp the, the machine wants to do its mission for the sake of this where the human wants to do this because of the sake of this and you're both kind of right you're both seeing it from a right angle both opinions are right but there's a big like 
well, this is in the center of it. So we have to go one way or the other. And one way is uh, one way is going to create one problem. One way is going to create another problem. Really engaging story. Really enjoyed it. And even though you go through it and you get the basic story, if you go off and do some like some some extra rooms, uh, which are like really hard uh, puzzles, they unlock like more and more like incitive uh, look to the story. And they're normally more like human based as well. So, you know, feelings and problems with that sort of stuff and relationships between other humans and stuff like that. Um, honestly, I really, really love the story. I think, I think even though the puzzles were good, I think it's a story that actually drew me in a bit more. So I would, I, honestly, if you're a fan of puzzle games, uh, or circuitry, I suppose. And if you do like that sort of, uh, tense, uh, relationship between humans and robots sort of story, which you do see in a lot of sci-fi stuff, then check out the Turing test. I highly recommend it. I think it's, uh, it, it's been a game that's really captured me. Um, I, I started Pokemon, but put it down in favor of this. So, I think I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. Mm. I know Justin did did the video on it, too. I think it was Justin that did it. But there were, I know we have a video on Nintendo Dads for it. Yeah, it was Justin, um, yeah. Yes. So that's cool to hear. Uh, something I'm going to have to put on my wish list. I, I just have <laughs> images of the of the box art. If you're a fan of circuitry, get this game. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> if you love electronics, if you try to wire up a toaster, then get this game. Also, uh, I, di- I didn't put it on the list here, but I've I brought and downloaded Kunai, which um, released this week. Uh, didn't hear too much fanfare about it, but I played this at EGX Res, and it was one of my highlights. It was a really good platformer, um, so I can't wait to get to die i finished the touring test now and kunai's next so hopefully i'll get some opinions to you next week kunai you said yeah okay so jesse over to you then okay so i rolled credits on two games this week what we're not here to complete games jesse what are you doing i know (laughs) first i i i finished tokyo mirage session to start with the encore Mm-hmm. So I got I that where I was stuck last week and or uh, I don't think it was I think I, last week when I talked about it I just got past the part I was stuck where on the Wii U version, but I ended up finishing the so I, I finished the story, rolled credits, and uh, it opens up a new a new game plus that gives you a lot of options. You, know, you can say you know I I could you know, keep my money, keep my items, keep my skills or not, you know, certain things had to, had to move over, but there was a, a lot of things I had the choice to roll over or not. I chose to roll everything over. And then I did the the first the tutorial dungeon over again with my level 60 crew and just wrecked house <laughs> <laughs> because the, the monsters are still level two and three and four. So, uh. So I, I think I did a when one swing I did like twelve thousand damage to something that only had fifteen hit points. Hmm. <laughs> so um, I know I don't know if I'll go back at least not anytime soon to p- play through again. So, but uh, one thing I, I am planning on making a a, a video. To, it's going to be talking about the differences between the Switch version and the Wii U version. So I you know, I have that outlined out. I have pre- preliminary footage made. I still have to make a 
record a lot of additional footage and then still write, write the script to figure. <laughs> so there's still a lot of work I need to do with that. So whole but, production there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So this is probably the most ambitious video I think I've ever made. So nice. we'll, we'll see if it ends up looking like it does in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big question. Okay. So when I was done with that, I went back to Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition and rolled credits there. So the the and the I was stuck on the final boss before when I stopped playing, and I was talking with someone on Discord that they were at the same point and just and lost and I I did a little little research and found out it's it's what you're supposed to do. It's not really a trick, but the game doesn't specifically spell it out so it's, e it's something easily missed it, it, there's something specific you have to do it makes the final boss easier to beat it, it, it's beatable without it but you know doing that doing this, this one specific thing does make it easier and i was able to to to, to beat the boss so I when i talked about it before at the end of act you know end of act one there's a big plot twist which leads to act two Finishing Act 2, rolls credits, and then it launches Act, you know, what people call the post-game, you know, or Act 3. When I think of post-game and RPGs, I'm talking about, I think of the plot is wrapped up and finished, and there's just a few extra things to do after the fact. Act 3 is not post-game. It's part of the game. I, I kind of think they shouldn't have rolled credits at the end of Act 2, because it it does, you know, more things are taught, you know, but then at the end of when, at the end of act three, once you finish, you, you can't even finish the 10 books in, in, of the of Tinkerton or whatever that, that place is called in the 2d world until you beat the final boss. When you do complete the 10th book, it gives you access to an 11th book, which I think is, the super boss of the of the post game, and there's four stages to that. I'm stuck in the third. It's basically two back to back fights that you have you cannot heal or save in, in the middle, mm. and which I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I I still can do a little grinding because I'm still in the like mid like mid 80s to low 90s. But you know, once I get to ninety nine, I can't grind anymore. XP is meaningless. So I, I'll so I'll I'll go when I'm at some point. I'll plan on going back and trying to finish to beat that out. But at least at this point, I know I finished the story and I'm satisfied. It's like like one hundred and twenty two hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tokyo Rush was right. like more like sixty two, sixty three. I always feel at that point like um, if they if, if if Nintendo don't have a trophy system or some way of recognizing when you go the extra nine yards there or whatever it is, uh, I I always would pack it up when you finish a story as well with something like that. It makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm Good sure effort. the PS I'm sure the PS4 version has significant trophies involving that mm -hmm. the end yep. game, but so yeah, um, it, it, I, I consider this my favorite Dragon Quest of all time. At this point, it has, I think it has surpassed five. I got tagged in the photo. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs>
Twitter just notified me. Okay, and uh, so kind of speaking of Dragon Quest V, before I pass things off to Tim, uh, Netflix now has the Dragon Quest movie from that was out in Japan. I forget the full title, but it, it, is, it was headlined this morning when I logged in. It's it's uh, you know it's in English for the first time, in, you know, in North America for the first time, uh, and it's supposedly based off of the story of Dragon Quest V. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. I wanted to start watching it before the show, but uh, that didn't happen. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, that definitely be something I plan on watching this weekend. Well, I'll say this in regards to what you posted about that. It was like that, like um, the artwork on that movie looks fantastic and uh, i can only imagine that one day maybe even close that we will play games that look like that too that where it's not cutscenes, it's actual gameplay that look just like you're playing a movie like a animated movie we're close yeah we're close and ps ps4 (laughs) xbox series x will will probably get closer yes i mean if you're looking at the final fantasy 7 remake footage already like that is looking very, very yeah. like yeah. good on the like, graphic department. Like, like if you compare what we can, what can be real time rendered today, and go back to like Toy Story One, we've already surpassed that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that, and that right was like, I don't even remember, but it was like months, hours of rendering time to make the movie. You know. Obviously, right. it didn't take months to render it because they had a first server farm. But if it was a single computer doing it, it would have taken that long to do it. <laughs> I can, <laughs> can only imagine. Yeah. I guess it's my turn, right? Your so, turn. But before before I mention the two games, you know, and take a, you know a couple hours talking about those. No, not really. I won't take a couple hours. Uh, I just want to mention that when I went to add the touring test to my wish list, I noticed that there, the game is on sale in the U S uh, for 15% off uh, up until the 21st. It looks like. So if anybody is interested in getting that, now's the time to jump on that, I suppose, yeah. or, or I you just, wait until it goes on sale again. <laughs> I just now threw money at it. So there you go. All right. So the game I, I've been playing and I've been really busy at work, so I have not been able to play Continue. I have not been able to continue playing Luigi's Mansion. I'm. I'm. My goal is to get that game done. Where I left off there was the tenth level after being B two, uh, and it's still there. I haven't got. I haven't started the tenth <laughs> level yet. So Tim, you need but, to. You need to push past the purple cat. It's worth it. Yes, I will eventually. I did. I did get past that. The cat. I don't know if it comes again, but I got past that uh, in that in the tree level. So yeah. I did get past it there. <laughs> But, yes, uh, it may not be it may not be your last brush with the cat, but I'll stay away okay. from spoilers. But keep going. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's what I heard. It does frustrate people, but I am I am gonna I want to finish the game because I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, but I what I have been able to play this week is part of Monthly Mayhem, and that is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Super Mario Kart. Uh, doing the courses, the time trials for those two. Uh, getting those in and realizing that I suck <laughs> compared to everybody else because <laughs> the time trials, they people are posting some really good times. And I'm just like, how in the world are you doing that? So I need to watch 
probably going to go watch some YouTube videos and learn how relearn how to drive my cart. Make sure I got the right carts or cycles to to are, get across. Are this. people doing that on 200 cc or 150 or what is it? What 150 on the MK8 and yeah. 100 on the Super Mario Kart. Yeah. So, but they're doing fabulous times, and I'm just like, how? I, like, I went through some of those courses and went through them the five times or you know the few times to try to see if I could be get better and better at it, and I was relearning how to play because i hadn't played it in a while um yeah. it's just i thought i did impressive but what, I wasn't what, what doing we're all what, i think the thing that we're all dealing with there is it's been out for six years and there are some people who are six years amazing and the rest of us just dip <laughs> in and out right so but yeah the, this community of gamers here are the in the nintendo dads community is just out just great gamers at what they play and constantly always playing really have a lots of fun watching these guys play monthly mayhem and you know have fun you know doing some banter and back and forth and uh so just jumping in on this one just kind of makes me realize why i like first one player games versus multiplayer games <laughs> but yeah. it's still fun i'm the I'm same way <laughs> <laughs> but that's what i've been playing Okay, so let's uh, try to wrap this up quick, and we'll do go into our community spotlight. Okay, we have a our topic from the community. I'm not, I don't know if this was from email or from Discord. He did whoever, Discord. It was it came from Discord. From uh, JC Sorrell says today's easy today's easy access to a lot of inexpensive games, yeah, SNES, NES Online, Genesis Collection, Indies, etc. Inundate us and our kids, making it too easy to move on instead of developing nostalgia and love for what we have. I'm looking at you, Mick Kids, Rockin' Cats, and Defenders of Cytotron City from my childhood. <laughs> Okay, so he, he said that's a, a debate. So, like, what, what's what is there a question? That he, what, you know what he's, what he's? I'm not sure what he's asking well, he, here, or just what he's. He's not necessarily asking. He's stating something that his observation is: is today's easy access to all these inexpensive games makes us, you know, when we were growing up or had access to games, it was we played a game and we took a few months to play that game, and. Whatever it was, whether it be like these examples you gave us, the Mick Kids or the Rockin' Cats or Defenders of yeah. Dinatron City, which may not have been your, you know, triple A or double A or even a single A game. Um, we we played it because that's what we got. Whereas today we are inundated with easy to grab games, not even just here, but even if you if you're a kid that's lucky enough to get access to a tablet or a phone. You or, just you know, go pick up X, a game. And you just, Xbox Game Pass is yeah. an example. You can just bring Apple, in a game out of the next. Onto the next. Yeah, yeah, so I, if you get bored with it, you're just jumping onto the next thing. So, so I think that's... So, I'll tell you what comes to my mind when I hear you laying that out to him, and I, I think that's a good interpretation of the question. I actually think games as a service is kind of bringing everybody back to that that era of gaming where everybody played the same thing forever. Um, you know, one of my kids plays Fortnite endlessly, 
uh, and is still playing Rocket League endlessly. And it's not exactly the same thing that he's talking about because, yes, they're awash with choice and there's different reasons for that. But um, if one of the things we've missed a little bit is people playing something to completion and being wedded to a game for a long time and there being a cultural zeitgeist around it because there's nothing else to do. Actually, games as a service, for better or worse, has kind of brought that back a little bit, I would say. Yeah, I think the biggest difference is the fact that like when your mom went out and brought you a game and it would be something that completely obscure that nobody else had ever owned, was that was your game. That, that was oh, something yeah. that you had nostalgia yeah. over, where now it's, it is the big games, it is Rocket League, yeah. it is Fortnite, it will be The Witcher and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that, yeah, to, to a point that, you know, there is there is like a new nostalgia in a way because uh, game pass will bring the big games and everybody will play those games but um i think i think this is more about the smaller games that like you might not have heard of like just imagine now if 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 we've took we've got the switch library as it is right we're all like nine ten and uh but the games are really expensive and your mom brought you brought like like David, to your point, your mom brought you Spider Solitaire. Yeah. Jesse, Jesse got brought Fortnite, a game that probably Jesse wouldn't play, right? <laughs> like you, your nostalgia will then be those games because it's tough luck. You're not having another game. You didn't wash enough dishes. You haven't earned <laughs> your money. This is what you've got. But now, yeah. like with Game Pass, as an example, like I, there's more games on Game Pass than I had collectively over my uh, Mega Drive. And my Dreamcast, which are the two big consoles I had as a kid. Yeah. I also see the I also see the indie games also being uh, nostalgic for for my kids because they they're easier to buy and if if they don't pass it up because yeah they they can if they're cheap enough they will buy a bunch of them um, if you know if they have enough of their allowance to be able to get an eShop card. Um, so they they can quickly buy it. One game that comes to mind for my daughter, which I think she'll have nostalgia for when she gets older, is Grease. Mm. Um, she could not stop talking about that game because she loved it, the art of that game, what it meant to her, um, you know, and just being, you know, she's, I think she's, yeah, 14 when she played that. And uh, so... I think I think that's going to be a game, and it's an indie game, right? So yes, it was cheaper, but it, it made her stop and pause and finish that game. Yeah. You know, where yes, it, and my son, he likes to keep, you know, like if he's if it's not holding his attention, he will it will he'll move on to the next, especially if he's got the like I said the money to do it, he'll move on to the next, move on to the next. But one that's holding his attention lately is uh, flat out, if I got it right, that. Mm. Uh, one of their games and he's been loving that game so you know my my memory of the era that uh that the reader's talking about is starkly different to the memory he's sharing i mean my memory of that time was you'd go to a uh, a toys r us or some game outlet you'd see these boxes um of whether it was atari or a pc game or an or, or, or a nes game and the box art would be like beautiful and amazing you get home, you'd, you'd drop like $60 in the 80s on this game, which is like 180 bucks now. You pop in the cartridge, and it could be absolutely diabolical. 
Uh, and you'd be, you'd be playing that for months. And for me, that time was as likely to be hell on earth as it was to be a heavenly experience. So right. I, I wouldn't change what we have now with all warts and all for what we had then because it was such a roll of the dice and it was so expensive as well. You know, you think you know, 60 bucks in the 80s was, was, was two months, three months of, of hard labor, you know? Yeah, we had the Jaguar, and I remember the uh, the, the games for that being like outstandingly expensive. Yeah. So we, and, we had one. Yeah, and, and I was crushed over and over again by the box art being beautiful and the game being dreadful. And I, I wouldn't go back to that for the world. It also goes the other way around, right? Because Mega Man had terrible, terrible box art, and yeah. uh, he ended up being a mediocre game. Boom! Yeah. Marty's not on the podcast. <laughs> Eat it, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and kind of what I'm remembering, you know, not really nostalgia. This is, but uh, like, like the crash, you know, crash of '82, '83. So going to a KB store, toy store, and just going through bargain bin of like five dollar games and just seeing all the crap in there. Yeah, right. And then, and then you still may see a good game on the shelf for thirty bucks, but unless you want that game. You know, if your mom or your grandma is in a store buying you stuff for Christmas, they're not going to buy the $30 game. They'll buy five or six of those smaller ones. Mm. Well, thanks to that crash, we had two 5200s in our house. I had two. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody playing them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because my dad was, like, picking them up at a garage sale, and then he'd pick up all the games people were selling. So, yeah. Nice. So, my my son's a little... uh, a little older than what he, he's saying of us and our kids, I think. But you know, so he has played like like Ocarina of Time a bunch. So he or that he has nostalgia for that. Uh, he he just recently did a did a a one day run of Wind Waker, like I think fourteen hours. I think he said he he was start start and stopped it. Um, but so he he is so he's not really playing all these collections and NES Online stuff, he is still playing the big games and playing them often. He, I, uh, he was over the other day, actually he was over, he was over yesterday, um, and he showed me his Switch profile, and he had like five or six games of 100 hours or more. So, you know, the games he has, he's playing the hell out of. And, uh, I think Smash Brothers, he has 500 hours in it. Wow. So, I think he's probably on like the last of the generation of that might be doing this. I think more of the, the, the newer kids are probably more of what uh, JC is referring to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but kids these days, it's just Fortnite, right? Like how have you managed to put two, 2,030 hours into uh, Fortnite? I don't know, dad, but why don't you stop being a loser? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think my son had like 150 ish in Fortnite. And he hasn't even yeah. played the game in a while. Uh, so that was like from last year's n- numbers. Well, well, very quickly on that, Jesse, I have a theory that Fortnite is, is sucking wind right now because since they relaunched the map to version 2.0, I mean, I know loads of kids that have fallen off that in my son's friends group, you know. So I think they've really shot themselves in the foot there. And, on the side. and they get people like me coming back because I can actually kill people now on it, yeah. now, that, now that all the pros <laughs> are gone. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. I got my first, uh, first, you know, what do you call it? The first. Uh, Chicken Victor dinner, Royale. Victor Royale, right. Victory yeah. Royale. I got yeah. my first one too. After that, so 
Yeah. That was a real dad thing I said. I said chicken dinner, but that's PUBG, right? That's PUBG. So, oh, dad, you're such a loser. <laughs> Get, it right, knows, man. Get it right, man. <laughs> Some Royale with cheese. <laughs> nice. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's all we have. So let's. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Dave for joining us uh, this week. And thanks again for being a, a, a Patreon producer, along with Chris Mears, Sean Abbott, and Antonio Contrenio. Sorry if I'm about no, wait, the name. Just, just yeah, yeah. Well, they asked a question on, on Patreon. You might want to just read oh, out. If you, quick, if you want to give a quick answer from Antonio there, I, I actually want to answer it, if you don't mind, as a fellow producer. Sure. I, I don't even know what the question is. So Yeah, so Antonio put a question into the, uh, the Patreon um uh, pre-show uh, mention here and he says um, if we don't get a dedicated direct for uh, Animal Crossing before it launches are we guaranteed to have a lemon and if it's sour is there precedent for a major Nintendo title getting a patch right after launch well, of course there's a precedent for patching games in Nintendo no problem but I want to say here and now because I won't see you guys for a while Animal Crossing is going to be a lemon I, I'm saying it now I can tell it you can see it in the tea leaves and Antonio is exactly right and I love Animal Crossing, but it's it's gonna it's got problems for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interesting. Yeah, I I, I am starting to look to get concerned. You know, more, more concerned that we don't have a general direct more than we don't have an Animal Crossing yeah. because Animal That's Crossing right. still has some time. I think Animal Crossing's always been Animal Crossing, right? I think people might expect more from it this time, but it's gonna be basically New Leaf on an island. That's what I'm. That's what I'm worried yeah. about. It's gonna. Yeah. It's not gonna be different enough. It's basically Pokemon again. You know. I think they're falling into Lazy Town, which is sad to see. Yeah. Well, we, Sorry, we've killed, we, we just completely killed off the hype for uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Antonio. Enjoy, good guys. question. <laughs> that is a good question. Yep. Uh, I just. I guess uh, I'll try to bring it back around, maybe more in a positive tide. I'm. I'm hopeful for it. Yes, they haven't been talking about it. But it is Nintendo. Nintendo has not... Yes, they do some silly, stupid things every now and then. But they have not given me anything to make me have pause that they would deliver a game like this. Right, I've got to quickly duck out. But uh, it's been great to talk to you guys. And uh, hopefully I'll be back on another one soon, right? <laughs> but for now, I'm, I'm going to be late for work, so I've got to shoot. Okay. Ciao. Thanks, Gary. Bye. Later, Gary. Bye. But yeah, I think uh, I, I'm giving Nintendo benefit of the doubt because they have not disappointed me uh, as far as when they release a game. Yes, there's been disappointments, but not when they release a game. So at least I, nothing's jumping to mind. So I, I, I admire your positivity. I'll get on that train. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. So hopefully this is not the first, you know, of uh, things. But you know, like like we were talking about earlier. Hey, they're going to do something pull that trigger to see if it fails and then you know go from there so who knows oh no i was gonna say too jesse actually it wasn't about the question what i was gonna say we can't gloss over how long david's been a patreon of the nintendo dads oh thank you yes i was actually checking my <laughs> patreon account uh it, it, three years and three months it turns out is what it's been so uh it's been a, it's been a pleasure i look forward to many more yeah, th yes. thank you. Thank you for support. I think you, you're, you're the original per Patreon producer, if I'm remembering. Yes, I think right? I was the first one. Yeah, that's yes. right. 
Yes, and we 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 were all surprised when oh we actually had someone do that, and then oh we have we have we have more, and we we have we have a, over a hundred patreons now. So we're I'm still amazed about this community. Yeah, uh, oh, it's a great community. That's why I've been <laughs> um, involved in it for so long because it's nice to be in a positive group. I was right behind you, Dave, until I became a Nintendo dad, and then I didn't have to. Yeah, do man, you you crossed thing. over. You 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 actually joined the show. Which is yes. remarkable. Yeah. He drinks These crazy guys on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I think with, with that, we should probably start wrapping things up again. Okay. So, again, thanks to uh, Chris, Dave, Sean, and Antonio for being Patreon producers. We have a website, nintendodaz.org, where we have our latest videos, tweets, and, and podcast episodes available, along with links to all of our social media and our Patreon page. And there's a link to our merch shop at redbubble.com. You can find us at most places like Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, by searching for Nintendo Dads. You can email us at nintendodads at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 929-25-N-DADS or 929-256-3237. Thanks to OC Remix for the mu- all the music we use throughout the show. And you can find our podcasts at the app, most at the podcast app of your choice, like Castbox, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or Spotify. In fact, it was Marty was talking with someone earlier about a, something that's one of the skills that ties into Alexa, and he was having a problem with the feed. So you get, it, it works. I, would, I think the problem is that he's having and any would would solve any of the problems if you're not seeing new shows uh, you may have to unsubscribe and resubscribe and uh, that would get that refreshed so and that wraps things up thanks uh, thanks for thanks for listening uh, we, you know thanks Gary for joining us I know he had to leave and th- thanks thanks again Dave and Tim for joining this has been episode 267. We will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening into Nintendo Dads. Pow, 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 pow.